Welcome to another episode of Focused on Christ, where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm here with Nathan Smith, Senior Pastor at Heritage. Nathan, welcome once again to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. And I'm Mike Crump, Pastor of Church Communications. Last episode, we began talking about the fall of man. We walked through the narrative to see what led to the fall, and we briefly talked about its effects. But this week, we wanted to talk specifically about the curse that God placed on Adam, Eve, and the serpent, because we feel those effects today in a very real way. Um, So Nathan, before we discuss the details of the curse, let's ask the why question. Why would God curse Adam and Eve? Why not just forgive them and move on? Because God cannot, and this sounds strange to say God cannot. Yeah. God cannot do something that contradicts his holiness. His holiness has been violated. Mm. That can't just be undone by a word or a sweep. The holiness has to be uh, accounted for with justice. There has to be a response of justice. Now, God, if he wanted to forgive them, uh, he can't without violating his holiness at this point. Mm. Justice has to be satisfied. There has to be an accountability for the sin that just came. So God's only option at this juncture in time, without violating his holiness, this is very important, Mm -hmm. God cannot do some things because if he did, it would violate his character. God's only option right now is to destroy them. Mm. That's his only option. That is his only option, unless he patiently holds off justice, Mm. patiently holds off on wrath to a determined point in time where that that justice, that wrath can be satisfied. Mm. So at this point, God can't just forgive them. That would be a violation of his holiness, because violations have to be met with justice. We see that written in a society. If if a great offense is committed, even we fallen human beings say there must be justice. So it's written in, we know that's right. So... The only option God has right now is to destroy them or to be patient. So the very fact that Adam and Eve don't just cease to exist in this moment, that God doesn't just destroy them, is really pointing back to his mercy. Yes. And that he is a loving God who desires to show mercy upon his creation. Yes. Right off the bat, the fact that there's any conversation, that there's any pronouncement of consequence of sin, that there's any conversation at all, just demonstrates God is right off the back and be patient and gracious. Yeah. So, but yet, even in the midst of his patience, in his graciousness, his mercy, there are effects to the sin that has just occurred. It is not as if things can go back to how they were, because something has changed in the created order. Sin has been introduced by one man, all have sinned. We have something that has just corrupted the entirety of creation after Adam and Eve took of the fruit. So it's a significant effect. So our key question today is, what are the effects of the curse? Um, In Genesis 3-7, we see an immediate effect. Something happens. It says, Then the eyes of both, Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So in this moment, something happened, their eyes were open. What does it mean that they knew that they were naked? What, what is the significance to that? 
Verse 7, by the way, for all of our listeners, you should go read this because in this one verse perhaps is the universal statement of the effect of um, the, the effect of sin on mankind. Mm. Then the eyes of both were opened. This is not just inert knowledge. There was an opening, an awareness, an understanding, and a knowledge of sin. Mm. But that is not all it is. Let me explain it this way. If I were to open the faucet in the bathroom in the sink, what I'm doing is I'm opening it to allow the passage of a substance through that vessel. Before, their eyes were closed off to sin, but now their eyes have been opened. Even the Hebrew here has the sense of open in now an open door allowing the passage of immorality and sin mm. through their being. They have now opened the door to that which is detestable to God. Their mm. eyes have been opened, and through the eyes, through their being, is now going to flow sin and depravity. Mm. That's one thing. Then they knew they were naked. There's a sense of now as a result of this sin coursing through them, there's an awareness of shame, mm. of finiteness, of exposure, a sense of fear. Uh, if nakedness has a sense of unpro no protection, yeah. I mean, clothing in space form provides protection against the elements. Yeah. It's a way to shield that which we are ashamed of in public. Um, it is also a way to protect us. There's so many aspects that clothing and covering does. They knew they're naked. All of a sudden, they feel vulnerable. They feel ashamed. They feel fearful. They feel um, exposed. They feel that they are all alone. Mm. All of these things that nakedness comes. And if we see about mankind, that's where man is. We feel all of those things in a constant stasis because of the effects of sin. Mm. And they sewed leaves together and made themselves loincloths. In this passage, um, they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves. Now, it doesn't say they knew they were naked, and they said, God, what shall we do? Show us what to do. What clothing do you want us to wear? God actually mm. is absent from this verse. We're sinful, sin is not coursing through us, we're exposed, we're naked, we're fearful, we're terrified, and we're still going to try and take care of this ourselves. Yeah. And so they try to do it themselves. They try to cover their nakedness themselves. They tried to see us as made for themselves loincloths. Mm -hmm. What mankind since the fall has been doing has been trying to make for themselves systems, thoughts, religions, anything we can do to try and cover, dismiss, or remove the nakedness that we feel. Mm. And so all of human depravity really flows out of this verse in many ways. That's an amazing thought, that we would, as a people, constantly be looking for ways to hide ourselves, cover ourselves. And you can probably say, by the, by the means of them even going and hiding, is that there is a fear of the Lord that is not, not the fear of awe, but the fear of judgment. And so there is a hiding, trying to get away from that as if we can hide from God. And then you see their response. It's not repentance. There's not a response of repentance. No. There's not a cry out of, God, what have we done? It is covering of self, hiding from God, and then immediately shifting to blame. So the, the effect, the ripple effects, the splash has happened, and the ripple effects are just going to continue to go out. And like you said... After that, then the conversation with God happens, 
And then they say, we hit ourselves. And Adam says, it's not my fault. It's her fault. She says, it's not my fault. It was the serpent's fault. Yeah. Uh, so there's this blame game that starts to happen. And once again, in our moral saber-rattling of today's culture, is not news and politics, isn't it just a constant mm. flow of blame? Yeah. And what we're doing is just repeating with stunning efficiency the sins of our forebears. Amen. One thing we do see before the blame begins, we see an interesting thing where God is in the garden and he's out there looking for them and calling to them, you know, where have you gone? Did you eat? He's inquiring of them, but yet he, he's God. He, he knows where they're at. He knows what happened. <laughs> it, is yeah. there a significance to this happening, to, to God's words to them? If you're a parent and you know your child has disobeyed you, there, there, there is a big difference in loving approach by coming to them and saying, you did this, I know it, and son, did you? Mm. Where are you? Why? I am doing you the honor and the gentleness to be able to answer for yourself yeah. and to talk with me because I want to have a conversation with you. This is not God not knowing. This is God, even at this point, knowing full well that His holiness has just been violated. And yet in gentleness, mm. He is still going to pursue them and say, where are you? Mm. Do you know that, I'm, that I want your presence? Do you know that I desire you? I want to talk with you? Mm. I could have smoked you out of existence, but I didn't. I'm... I hear, hear God, this is the first pursuit of God, mm. is walking through the garden saying, where are my people? Mm. Where are my beloved? Yeah. I mean, this, this is the first picture of God walking saying, I'm coming for you. I love that. It's beautiful. That is, that is beautiful. And it's an opportunity for repentance. I think in the lives of our children, when we ask that question, the heart desire of the parent is that that child would confess and there would be reconciliation in that time. Um, unfortunately, that does not happen here. And as you said, there had to be a sacrifice um, even later on, as we know. But God does speak to them, and because of their sin, God curses. There is a, an effect that will then just ripple through all of history. And we're going to start actually with the woman and, and walk through some of these and consider what they even mean today. Genesis 3.16, God says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So here we see a couple things. You, you have the pain and childbearing. Uh, this act of love, of giving life, is now filled with great pain. And then you have this tension between husband and wife. So what, what does this mean that your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you? What, what's, what's God speaking to there? So again, uh, maybe I can back up and give a little bit of a bigger theological yeah. picture, that the, the, the concerted and yet differentiated roles between man and woman in a way, we're meant to image God, yeah. to image the Trinity, to image that relationship. The Apostle Paul actually even picks up on that in Ephesians chapter 5, where he talks about the marriage relationship even pictures Christ and the Church. So that covenant relationship has deeply profound theological images. Yeah. So Satan's lie not only brings in sin, but it mars a sacred relationship that in its pure form is meant to image God. Yeah. 
And so one of the effects of this fall and sin is now there is strife between these two roles and images that was never meant to be. Mm. And so therefore corrupting that view of God in a way. Yeah. So when we look at the woman, she is now going to have pain in bringing forth uh, children, that she is going to be dissatisfied with her role, mm. whereas the Son and the Spirit and the Father are totally satisfied in their roles with one another and never striving with one another. Now she's going to be striving constantly against her role, dissatisfaction with her place in the earth, and yet she's never going to feel uh, a place of the role that she desires, and that is domination. Mm. That is a sense of rulership. No, he's going to rule over you, and you're not going to like it. Mm. There is a marring and a destruction of roles as a result of woman's sin. Adam's sin, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Mm. Adam, because you did not exert your role as leader and that role to help guide and to love her as she should have been loved, even with some tough love in this juncture, there's going to be an effect where the, the result of your inaction is going to affect not only you, not only you and Eve, but it's going to extend to all of creation. Mm. It's going to seep into the ground and into the very structure and fabric of the earth so that you're going to have to work hard. You originally were going to work the garden in joy and delight, but now you're going to hate going to work. Now you're going to hate working hard. Yeah. You're going to be lazy. Mm. You're going to have to really toil to do anything. And these are all the effects. These, these are the choices that you have made. And Adam's effect of sin, even though Eve was the primarily one deceived, the effect of Adam's sin and its consequence are actually far more reaching because he denied his headship and role that he should have taken. Mm. So his passivity in responding to the lie of the enemy has now welcomed in this curse that we feel very much so today. And I think we see this, and in, in maybe just as I'm getting older, I'm more aware, but I, I think it's more pronounced and profound, is that there is an a large part of our society and even our world today that sees work as a hindrance to joy. Yes. It is only toil. It is only pain. Excuse me. It is only pain. But yet that was not how it was originally given. Um, right. We see that work was given before the fall. Yes. And so it is a good and right thing. But what we're feeling is the effect of the fall, that it is hard. Well, work is a good and right thing in its original sense, yep. and we should strive to live out work in a way that honors God. Mm -hmm. But even after coming to Christ, work is still not fun because yep. the effects of sin still govern the workplace in many ways yep. and the way that I view work. One thing I want to maybe just add is a little bit of clarity on what you said because I've heard many people say it um, because of man's passivity. One of the dangers is maybe making Eve an active sinner in believing the lie, mm -hmm. and man the passive sinner. Gotcha. What would probably be helpful for all of us to realize is that Eve actively believed a lie, mm -hmm. and Adam actively forsook his role. You understand what I so mean? So there's action in both ends. There is action yeah. in both ends, and Adam just acted in a different way, but it yeah. was a very active sin. Yeah. He actively 
chose to be passive. Yeah. He actively refused his role. He actively refused to lead. Yeah. He actively chose the easy path. Yeah. And man, doesn't that sound familiar? Because, yes. I mean, I feel my flesh wanting that. Yeah. I want to actively do what is easy. Yeah. I want to actively choose the lesser of the harder paths. Yeah. I want to actively be passive. Yeah. I mean, I can plan out my laziness with the best of them. <laughs> I don't know about you, Mike, but man, plan out work. Ooh, you know. Oh, yeah, so hard. Plan off my day off. Ooh, yes. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, you, you can really get excited about being lazy. Well, <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there, there's a whole genre of music, you know, that to just start living for the weekend is kind of its thing, you know? Um, I mean, where that's, yeah. we're, we're tired of work. Work is terrible. Let's go play. That's what we want to do all day long. And so, yeah. We see, and this is what's fascinating to me, and I think it's so helpful, so helpful, because when we see this world, and even the tensions in our own flesh, it helps us to understand that this is why it's this way. When we read the scriptures, and we read through Genesis 3, and we see, okay, I can make sense of this world because it has been cursed. That's why there is hardship and work. That's why there is pain and labor. That's why there is a difficulty in marriage. Yes. Is because Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and that has, as you said, stepped into the ground, and now we are dealing with the results of it. Yes. And so it gives answers to those big questions of why are things so broken? Yes. This is why. Yes. The reason that things are broken are not because God made it that way, yeah. but rather because as a result of us insisting on our own way, mm -hmm. insisting on believing lies, insisting, like Adam did, on refusing responsibility, the effects of that sin have now just reverberated across creation, and the ripples of it mm. continue. The sin flows through our eyes. We commit violence as a result of our action in order to try and cover our mm -hmm. sin. We live in the reality daily of our nakedness, of exposure, fear, anxiety, worry, a sense of our own mortality, yeah. and yet not going to God, yeah. but rather trying to cover it ourselves with anything we can, yeah. sometimes with substances, sometimes with entertainment, sometimes with fill-in-the-blank. Yeah. We're trying to cover ourselves instead of running to God, the only one who can provide a sufficient covering. Mm. Now, I hope people are, are listening in and they're yeah. hearing verbiage like, God didn't destroy them because He waited and was patient for justice to be satisfied, yeah. that only God can provide a covering. See, these are all images and ways we speak about the Bible that when we talk about Christ, we see how it all comes together. Yeah. And that leads us to actually the curse of the serpent, because in here we have a promise, even in this curse. In Genesis 3.15, God speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What is going on here? This is what theologians call the proto-evangelion in the Greek. Mm -hmm. Proto meaning the first evangelion, the first good news. Mm -hmm. So this is the first good news that we see in Scripture which, amazingly, there is a consequence to the woman mm -hmm. as a result of her believing the lie and sinning. But God in His grace is saying, but even in the midst of this consequence, I'm going to take this consequence, and I'm actually going to redeem it and use it to bless you and to destroy the one who actually caused this consequence to be in effect, mm. Satan, yeah. and even your own sin. You're now indwelling sin. Yeah. So He is going to put enmity between you and the woman. There's going to be 
a man, someone who is going to come as a result of the woman, be born, and he is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Now, bruising the head, um, this is another way of saying crushing the head, destroying... This is a fatal blow. Mm. This offspring of woman one day is going to deal a fatal blow to Satan and death and sin. Mm. He's going to bruise his heel. Now, what is a bruise of a heel? It hurts, Mm -hmm. but you keep walking. It hurts, and it heals. There is going to be a a moment of pain, but the consequence for Satan death is lasting. The heal is only temporary. Mm. And that points forward to something beautiful with Christ. He who at the cross dealt the death blow to Satan and death. The cross was a bruising of the heel, but it was only a temporary thing that had lasting effects for the redeemed and permanent defeat over the enemy. I love this. After wrestling with the realities of sin, the, the corruption of this earth, God in his grace saying, yeah, it's going to be hard, your sin is cost, but I have a plan, and I have a man who I am going to bring in the fullness of time to destroy your enemy. Yes. And what a glorious picture of Jesus and that he has come. And we know now in the fullness of time, after having the revelation of Scripture, we can look back and say, praise be unto God who has provided this man, who has given us Christ. And we can celebrate, even in the midst of still wrestling with our sin, still wrestling with the flesh and the curse that is still here, we look now to a day when he will come and set it all right. Amen. And as God walked through the garden and said, where are you? Mm -hmm. I am seeking my people. God sent his son into the world to undo the curse, and he has still a work walking to and fro, as it were, throughout the world, Mm. saying, where are my people, and gathering them to himself. And we as the church have this glorious responsibility to be a part of that, as it were, continuing the work of God to pursue people that began in the garden until he returns, saying, come and taste and see the fullness and the promise of God fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Amen. Nathan, thanks again. I just love being able to talk about uh, Christ and uh, the glorious hope we have in the gospel. And thank you for joining us here on another episode of Focused on Christ. Uh, We pray you'll continue to join us as we move through the scriptures and continue to consider what God has revealed about himself there. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating so that others can find this podcast and be encouraged in their faith. And we hope that uh, you'll join us again next time. For more details, visit us online at FocusedOnChrist.com.